This film is lit, the podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. First ever feature length movie, Barbie comes magically to life. It's Barbie and the Nutcracker, and this film is lit. Hello, and welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. We have, we don't, we do have a guess who. We have every single segment <laughs> this week, so we're gonna get right into it with Let Me Sum Up. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. If you have not watched Barbie and the Nutcracker uh, recently, (laughs) (laughs) or at all, but you still want to hear, you know, listen to our discussion, we're going to give you a brief summary of just the film sourced from Wikipedia. Here we go. The story is told by Barbie to her little sister, Kelly, who is having trouble rehearsing a ballet solo and fears going on stage. A girl named Clara lives with Drosselmeyer, her stern grandfather, and Tommy, her little brother. On the night of Christmas Eve, they receive a surprise visit from their aunt, Elizabeth. Clara receives a nutcracker from Elizabeth, who claims it contains the heart of a prince. Clara falls asleep by the Christmas tree and awakens to see her nutcracker suddenly alive and fighting an army of mice led by the Wicked Mouse King. The Mouse King shrinks her down to his size, though he is unable to defeat them and temporarily retreats. The Nutcracker explains that he needs to find the Sugar Plum Princess, the only person who can defeat the Magic King's magic, the Mouse King's magic. The wise, old, the wise owl of the grandfather clock reveals that the Sugar Plum Princess is the only one who can make Clara her original size again. The owl gives Clara a locket from an ornament figurine, from an ornament figurine that will send her back home when she opens it. Through a portal in a mouse hole, the Nutcracker and Clara land in an ice cave. They escape with the help of a group of snow fairies and enter the Nutcracker's home of Parthenia. The two journey to a gingerbread village where they meet two children and the horse Marzipan. The children tell them that the rightful heir to the throne, Prince Eric, has gone missing. The group narrowly escapes the Mouse King's army when they are saved by Major Mint and Captain Candy, who lead a small group of villagers in hiding. Mint reveals that Prince Eric's careless attitude led the former king to pronounce the mouse as temporary ruler until Eric accepted his responsibilities. Clara realizes that the Nutcracker is the missing Prince Eric. When the mouse decided he wanted to be king permanently, he turned Eric into a Nutcracker. Eric hopes to redeem himself and make things right again. Clara and the Nutcracker, joined by Mint and Candy, set off on a journey to reach the Sugarbone Princess. While Mint and Candy prepare a boat, Clara and the, nutmeg- and the Nutcracker manage to free a group of flower fairies who had been trapped in a well by the Mouse King. The group is suddenly attacked by a rock giant sent by the Mouse King to stop them from reaching the princess. The snow fairies arrive and freeze the sea, followed by Marzipan pulling a sled, allowing the group to cross. The Nutcracker uses his sword to crack the ice, causing the rock giant to sink into the sea. The group then reaches the princess's island, but it is revealed to be a trap, and the Nutcracker, Mint, and Candy are caged and carried off by the Mouse King's bat henchman, Pym, leaving Clara behind. The flower fairies help carry Clara off the island into the Mouse King's castle, where she frees her friends. The Nutcracker battles with the Mouse King, who has his own spell reflected back at him, shrinking him to the size of a real mouse and causing him to flee. 
The Nutcracker is severely injured, and Clara kisses him, upon, whereupon he is restored to his true form as Eric. Clara, real, uh, Clara, because she was able to break the spell and save her friends, is revealed herself to be the Sugar Plum Princess. Eric is crowned king, and the couple who have fallen in love dance as the citizens celebrate. The shrunken mouse king returns, riding on Pym's back, snatches Clara's locket, and opens it, but it is knocked out of the sky with a f- snowball. However, the locket's magic activates, and Clara disappears and is magically transported back home. Clara wakes uh, up where she fell asleep. The Nutcracker is missing, and she runs to her grandfather, who dismisses her story as her imagination. Just then, Anne Elizabeth returns with a young man who is revealed to be Eric, whom she introduces to Clara. Eric asks her to dance. A snow globe shows Prince Eric and the Sugar Plum Princess dancing happily in the palace courtyard. As the story ends, Kelly realizes the importance of not giving up, and she and Barbie finally manage to dance the solo perfectly. The end. That's a brief summary of Barbie in the Nutcracker. Katie has one question for me in Guess Who. Who are you? No one of consequence. I must know. Get used to disappointment. Okay. Um, okay. I, I I don't know. You might get this. Um, it, it doesn't match any of the characters, really. I just wanted to read it because it's so fantastic. Okay. He was short and scrawny. His face was covered with wrinkles, and he wore a big black patch instead of a right eye. He had no hair on his head, which is why he sported a very lovely periwig made of spun glass. Spun glass. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I uh, obviously have no idea this. I mean, uh, covering some more black, big black patch of a right. Maybe this is uh, the uncle, Uncle Drosselmeyer or grandfather. Drosselmeyer. It is Drosselmeyer. Yeah. (laughs) He's uh, uh, her godfather in the Mm, story. What is a periwig? I have no idea. And how can you make one of spun glass? I have no idea. It's an archaic term for a wig. Spun. Let's see if I can Google spun glass wig. Spun glass. Oh, God. I guess, okay, so I guess you can take, I guess that was maybe a thing people used to do is they would, because you can get that like super fine, like angel hair thickness glass. Yeah. And I guess people maybe used to make wigs out of it. Makes sense. It would appear like in, in ye olde times. It, uh, from the Corning Museum of Glass, there was three unusual uses for glass and one of them is wigs. And it's from like the early, late, like the 1800s or something. I mean, Anyways. that's that's right on for the time period. That's very strange. I've never that's heard of very this odd, before. Yes. All right. Anyways, I have some questions. Let's get into them. And was that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read? So uh, the film opens up, we get our opening credits, and I just wanted to know, and I kind of get this answered within the story, or at least within the story of the film, and I don't know, maybe it's not anything in the book, but there's these two, like, little fairies flying around, and one of them is, like, winter, and one of them is, like, spring, and they're, like, fighting over the credits and turning things into flowers and freezing them. And I was trying to figure out if that was anything that, if that was, like, a reference from the book. Now, later we'll see that one of them is a... a winter or a snow fairy and the other one is the like a flower fairy and who who show up later in the film mm-hmm. but so maybe that is a reference from the book but is there it was that an allusion to something in the book 
Uh, no, I don't recall anything like this in the okay. book. Um, so there aren't really any actual fairies in this book. Really? Yeah, n- not not like there are here. Okay, I'm realizing I know nothing about this book. I, too, realized that <laughs> I know nothing about this book as I was reading it. Um, so they do go to a fantasy land. It's called the Kingdom of the Dolls. Okay, um, I think I knew that. That and, sounds familiar. Yeah, and some of the, like, inhabitants of the fantasy land are implied to be made out of, like, sugar or sweets. But as far as I can tell, the idea of there being fairies in this story is an invention of the ballet, as far as I can tell. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Not something that I would have ever anticipated. <sighs> no. Yeah, I would have assumed that that came from the book. I mean, like the, some famously, the Sugar Plum Fairy is like one of yes. the most well-known characters in the ballet. Yes. So Yeah. Which this movie switches to Sugar Plum Princess, I yeah. guess, because Barbie. Maybe they wanted her like, to be a may, princess. Like, yeah, maybe like they didn't the, want her to be a fairy. I don't I know. Guess. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, uh, so then uh, we're, we're introduced to our main character. Well, we again, we start with the frame story that I mentioned, which is real life Barbie <laughs> teaching her uh, Kelly how to do ballet uh, and then telling her the story of the Nutcracker. But in the story of the Nutcracker, we're introduced to Clara, who's this young girl. And uh, uh, I said it all in the thing. You've heard that part. Um, but she gets this present of a Nutcracker from her aunt uh, who travels the world, it would seem. And she uh, falls asleep and then the Nutcracker comes to life, but gets in a fight. There's a giant uh, uh, the Mouse King shows up and they start fighting. But the thing that kind of kicks off the story, the inciting incident for why uh, Clara gets involved in all of this is that the Rat King or Mouse King, uh, shrinks her. And I wanted to know, and then because of that, she has to venture to the magical land to be unshrunk so she can come back to the real world. And I mm-hmm. wanted to know if that came from the book. Does the, the Mouse King shrink her, and does she have to go on a journey to be unshrunk? <laughs> so, no, is the short answer. Okay. There's never anything explicitly about her being shrunk to the size of a mouse and or a nutcracker right. in the book. H- however, it is kind of implied, and I think this is just like this, the sort of like magical realism, like fairy tale-ish that this story is employing, that like as this battle is going on and like as she's interacting with the mouse king and the nutcracker that she is, seems to be like their size. around their size. But it's never explicitly mentioned that she's been shrunken. Okay. In general, I did like this change. I thought it made sense to give the characters like a more direct quest. Like, oh, we need to go find this person to accomplish this thing. It lets us know like what the purpose is. Yeah, like what exactly we're we're doing doing here. Um, I also thought it was a good move to um, shift the bulk of the action of this story into the fantasy world. So in the book, they do go to a fantasy world, as I mentioned, but it's after the Mouse King is defeated, and they basically just have a celebration there, okay. which I believe is also what happens in the ballet. I was about to say, because that was my memory, too. That I was a little surprised when they went to the Magic World. I was like, in my mind, this all plays out like slightly in differently. the house or yeah. something. Like, uh, yeah, or, pretty much everything with the Mouse King happens in the house, yeah. and then they go to the fantasy realm and just like have a party, yeah. basically. Because I think I've seen one of the ballets years ago, like, mm-hmm. a, like or like a TV production of it, you know, like that they did for Christmas. Maybe even the one, there's one with Macaulay Culkin, I think. Yeah. 
Um, and maybe I've seen that. I don't know. But anyways, I so I think I know like or again, I don't remember it at all, but I think I've seen it. So I have like some something bouncing yeah, around in my head. About I, I've never actually seen the ballet, but obviously I went and read about it right. on Wikipedia before we did <laughs> yes. this episode. Yeah. And it, it sounds like it's literally like the two acts of the ballet are like in the house with the mouse king and everything. Yeah. And then the second act is in the the kingdom of the dolls or whatever they call it in the ballet. Right. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, uh, go ahead. Also, just a side note real quick. In the book, Clara's name is Marie. Mm, okay. But I'm just going to refer to her as Clara throughout this easier. episode just to make it easier. Yeah. That's also the name that's used in the ballet. So I'm oh, pretty sure okay. more people know her by that name anyway. Okay. Cool. So they then have to go to the uh, and they ha it has a weird name in the movie. I can't remember. It, like it's, it, was it, was, it was in the summary. Let me what look. was it? It was like uh, part Parthenia. Parthenia. Yeah, I don't know where they got. I don't that know where from. that came from. But anyways, that's the name of the magical land they have to go to, which is where the Nutcracker is from. And uh, when they arrive, they go they go through a little portal and they fall into the world. And they arrive, they fall into like an ice cave. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, they get stuck in this ice cave, but then they meet some snow fairies and they dance a little ballet. And then uh, one of them gets their wing, like the little one that's like a little Barbie sister. Is it Kelly? I think. <laughs> <It's> Kelly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, gets her wing messed up. Uh, but luckily, Clara, Clara is able to fix it. Uh, and because she helps them, they then let them out of the ice cave. And I wanted to know if this came from the book. Zero percent of that is from cool. the book. Absolutely none cool. of it. I'm ready for like all of this to not be <laughs> from the book. I'm just going to ask a bunch of pointless questions. <laughs> sometimes it goes like that. Yeah, sometimes it, it do be like that. All right. Uh, I This I had to assume was a, a movie creation because it felt like a. I couldn't place what it was, but there was a character from some disney movie or something that this reminded me are of. are you thinking of bartok from anastasia yes. oh my god yes yes <laughs> that we just watched yes yeah. i am thinking of the bat minion from was yeah. he a bat and yeah, he yeah was a bat. and he's helping rasputin or whatever yeah. yeah that is what i'm thinking of holy cow anyways the mouse king has an evil bat spy named pym uh and i wanted to know if that came from the book because that to me felt very much like a movie edition uh, your your instincts are spot on uh, this is not anything that happens in the book however i do want to mention that this is the origin of a recurring element in the animated barbie universe really or at least in the early movies okay. i have not seen many of the later barbie movies yeah. um but there's always a weird little guy <laughs> Every time. Amazing. Every time there's a weird little guy. It's a weird little guy. Yeah. All right. Well, he, Pim's our weird little guy in this one. Uh, so then they, they venture forth out of the thing and they come across a town uh, that seems to be abandoned. And they, they this is where they meet Marzipan the horse and these two little kids, which I don't know if we ever learned their name. Yeah, I don't um, think we do. I, do we? I don't, I don't know. Think so. I don't think so. I don't think it really matters. <laughs> Uh, little helmet hair kid and <laughs> the little girl or whatever, but they, uh, they're like, oh yeah, everybody's gone because you know the king, mouse king, whatever, blah blah blah. I want to know if they uh, discover two little street urchins and a horse named Marzipan in an abandoned village in the book. <laughs> no, they don't. Okay. Um, uh, obviously, there aren't any problems with the mouse oh, king, right? In, in this part of the story, in the they've book, because they've, they, yeah, they've the already vanquished king. him, so okay. he's not wreaking any kind of havoc. Interesting. 
I, I'll ask this later, but in the in in the play and stuff, I feel like I have a memory, and I don't know if the book plays with this at all. That the Mouse King is like her little brother. It's like a he's like a representation of her little brother or something because he's like. Do you know what I'm talking? Is there some Maybe. version of the story um, I've seen that has that? I, I mean, the, the Nutcracker has been staged so many times Fair. and redone so many times. Probably uh, it might. I I don't. I didn't see anything about that. Okay. Personally, but I wouldn't be like terribly surprised if that was like a dual role. Yeah. See, for some reason in my head, it was like a dual role, and like it was yeah. kind of like the idea was like because she hates her obnoxious little brother, and she like creates this fantasy villain maybe yeah. maybe there's one version i've seen where that happens and yeah. i'm just applying it to the story generally when it's not anyways uh so they run away or i think i think some of the, the 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 mouse forces show up and they're they're running uh they're like uh escaping through the woods and then a, a ladder drops down out of the treetops and they climb up and they're rescued by this group small group of villagers that live in a treehouse Mm-hmm. Uh, that is like the resistance to the mouse king i guess <laughs> any of that come from the book uh, no okay <laughs> great moving on <laughs> um so i want to know if this plot line at all comes from the book be, uh, which is that we find out eventually it's, it's explicitly stated but it's hinted at constantly early on in the book or in the film here that the nutcracker because at this point the nutcracker is like an animated person who's like walking around talking mm-hmm. and stuff but we keep getting this hint in the film that uh oh they keep talking about how well prince eric is missing and oh we don't know what happened to prince eric but every time they say that in the movie the camera just like slowly pushes in <laughs> on the <laughs> nutcracker and it's like so incredibly obvious that the nutcracker is prince eric and now to be fair they don't make it like a big reveal they just kind of like shortly after this just like oh yeah you're the right nut- you're, yeah you're prince eric but I just thought it was very funny, and I wanted to know if any of that, like specifically the uh, the idea of um, the Nutcracker, is like a cursed, uh, is is like a human being that has been cursed mm-hmm. and turned into a Nutcracker. It has to be freed. If that came from the book, so that actually does come from the book. Okay, uh, the Nutcracker is. Uh, this uh, young man, boy, it's it's actually not clear how old he's supposed yeah. to be. Um, and he has been cursed into the form of a nutcracker. Okay. Now, the book actually explicitly tells us this about halfway through. So there's really no reason for it to be hinted at like the movie does. Right. Um, and, and to be fair, this movie is meant for like very small yes. children. And the movie does also it's, tell us like halfway through. Yeah. It just, she just sits down next to him and goes, you're Prince Eric, aren't you? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, so the, I want to know if this happens at any point. Obviously, this story is very different. But in order to c- try to capture uh, the Nutcracker and uh, Clara, the Mouse King creates a giant stone monster mm-hmm. to hunt them down. And I wanted to know if that came from the the book because it. Well, I say I had to know. It says feels not maybe super doable in the stage play, but also it wasn't. A, it's a book, so. It, anyways, is, is there a giant stone monster creature in the book? There's not. However, I do want to say that I feel like Frozen may have taken some inspiration here. With their giant snow monster, I don't remember. I don't the remember sequence that just reminded me a lot of the part in Frozen when they're running from the giant snow monster. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, like I said, I I, I don't remember. I've seen Frozen, but I don't remember. 
anything it's been about a long it, so. time since we watched frozen yeah but it wouldn't surprise me if they maybe did a little little inspiration <laughs> uh, i want to know if these characters come from the book uh major mint and captain candy they're kind of like supplemental characters in this that uh are helping our our heroes uh captain or major mint is like a a, a major in the mm -hmm. army or whatever i don't know and then uh his his the guy working with him is like an indian guy yeah captain candy yeah um, uh, maybe not in the i don't know he's yes uh, but it, i wanted to know if those characters came from the book at all very interesting uh they're not in the book uh, i tried to look and see, I was like scanning through multiple Wikipedia pages yeah. trying to figure this out to see if maybe they were invented for the ballet, like the Sugar Plum Fairy seems to be. But I don't think so. I, I think these are movie invention characters. Okay. I mean, bit. I can believe it. They sound like Candyland they characters. They do. And it's so. very strange because it, it, it did feel very much like they're like, okay, well, let's kind of do some like Candyland style things. Yeah. We have like the Sugar Plum, like it it's already feels kind of, you know right in that vein and so i think yeah they they kind of played off that because yeah they they're named like absolutely like candyland characters neither of them look like candyland no characters. they just look like dudes they just look like guys <laughs> for sure uh is there a magic floating bridge they cross this crazy like avatar yeah. like <laughs> it's like floating, floating rock bridge that it's like <laughs> i was like wait what is going on here uh in that in the book at all it's not and i no I feel like it should have been like peppermints or something. Yeah, like, it does feel like it should have been something more like, feel like, whimsical. Like there were missed opportunities here with the level of whimsy. Yeah, in this because it is just like giant floating rocks. I'm like, All right, well, sure. Uh, do they rescue? Uh, they, uh, they move on in the story and they come across an old. They need to. They're gonna go cross. Uh, uh, they're gonna go find the sugar plum princess. Mm -hmm. So they gotta go on a boat journey. And so they need supplies. So the Nutcracker and Clara go off to find supplies. And I guess the Nutcracker knows about some well where they can get water. So he goes to the well, but it's covered up. And he opens it, and a bunch of fairies come out. And this is... I, I, I the, the song is the sugar dance of the sugar plum fairies, is it not? I think that's the song that plays here, isn't it? No. No? It's one of the, cause the, the dance of the sugar plum fairy is the one with... um, What's the instrument called? A Sestina, is it? Or oh, I know what you're talking it's about. It's the that specific. It has a very specific yes. sound. This yeah. is, this is a fairy dance, but it's not okay. dance of the sugar plum fairy. Anyway, there's they're called. I think they say they're flower fairies or yeah. whatever, and they come flying out of this well and they dance for a while. Any of that come from the book? Um, uh, no. Um, I do have some questions about why in the universe of this movie. The baby fairies look so radically different from the adult they do. fairies. They do, because the baby fairies all look like Kelly. Yeah. But uh, the adult fairies are, L are, don't look, look like, like Barbie. They look like aliens. They, yeah, they don't look like Barbie. They yeah. look like aliens. They're, it's very interesting that for some reason the baby fairies are just like little humans. It's, it's It sounds like a very radical puberty to go through. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, at any point, is there an ocean that is frozen by a bunch of snow fairies? Because it's also felt like frozen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I said, I said it's not from the book. But once again, I see yeah. you frozen. Yeah. I yeah. see you. Uh, another side note that I think the music from this sequence, like when they're on the ice and the rock monster is chasing them. Yeah. I think that's actually from the Sleeping Beauty and not from the Nutcracker. Interesting. I don't know. I I'll think. Take your word for it. Because I don't. Yeah, I didn't recognize it. 
does the Nutcracker drown a giant stone monster in a frozen ocean in the book? <laughs> Sad to say, he does not. Dang it, that was great. He does like a sweet, like, you shall not pass yes. Gandalf, like, <laughs> where this slams his sword into the frozen ocean and it splinters open and the the uh, the the giant ice mo- rock monster falls into the water and I guess drowns. I guess it I breathes. Guess. I don't know. It looks like I, it's drowning. I, it either drowns or it lives at the bottom of the ocean <laughs> now. Walking around on the bottom <laughs> of the ocean. Could be, yeah. Uh, is there a giant? So they, this is maybe <laughs> this the best is, part of the movie. Is they, they get to what they think is the the magic castle where the sugar plum princess lives, and for I don't even remember why. For some reason, Clara waits back, and yeah. then the other three go in. Why does she? I don't remember. Yeah. But the other three, uh, the Nutcracker, um, and then Candy, Captain Candy, and whatever the other guy's name is, Major Major Mint. No, it was Captain Mint and Major. No, wait. No, it was Major Mint and Captain Candy. It was a little okay, yeah, yeah, you're, right, sure. you're right. Uh, anyways, the three of them go into the castle so they can try to go find the, the Sugar Plum Princess. But as soon as they walk through the door, the castle <laughs> falls over and it's just literally a facade. And they're just trapped in a tiny little cage that was behind this giant fake castle wall. Uh, it was the, the the funniest part of the whole movie, and I wanted to know if this delightfully silly moment came from the book. I feel confident saying it doesn't. But. Um, it, it does not, but I did also enjoy this incredible moment. It was not something I remembered from this film. Yeah. Uh, so then we cut back, and the they they she's gonna go. Uh, they the fairies fly Clara over to the castle to go rescue. The uh, the, other, the Nutcracker the other and everybody, guys. and then um, they then after they drop her off, they go and they find the treehouse people, <laughs> and and foment them into an insurrection against the Mouse King, and they're like, yeah, you're right, we do need to fight back. And I, any of this, would the, the 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 villagers get uh, fomented into insur- you know rising up against the Mouse King? Oh, no, of course not. No. What I'm asking is <laughs> no. pointless. All these questions are pointless. Every answer is just no. I'm sorry. It's, fine. it's not your fault. It's not your fault. I, I really, this part really made me laugh though because there's like eight yes, people. There is like <laughs> literally like less than a dozen of them. And they're like, we can do it. It's like, oh, we no. can overthrow the Mouse King. Can Probably you? Not. Can you though? Probably no. Not. Uh, so I don't know how the Mouse King is defeated in the book, but surely he's defeated somehow. But in the film, the way he is defeated is that he tries to shrink or not shrink. Yeah, he tries yeah. to shrink Clara more, even more, even though she's already sh- tiny. And he goes to shoot a spell at her. But at the last second, the Nutcracker grabs his sword, which is very shiny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> keeps it. Luckily, he keeps it very highly polished uh, <laughs> and he's able to reflect the spell back. And it hits the Mouse King and shrinks him into an actual little mouse. Uh, and he has to run away. And I wanted to know if that's how he defeats the Mouse King or how the Mouse King is defeated in the book. Um, so we actually don't know how the Mouse King is defeated in the book. It kind of happens like off screen. (laughs) Um, It happens while, while she's asleep, I think. It's like surprise, we did it. Yeah, basically. So I actually prefer this. Yeah, um, I, I thought it was a pretty good ending, you know, like it works. Mm -hmm. It's pretty good. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's totally fine. Uh, but so this whole time they've been looking for the sugar plum princess. And again, I guess they changed that just so she can be a princess instead of a fairy, I guess. But they've been looking for the sugar plum princess because they need her. She needs to be able to, they need her to be able to uh, change 
uh, Clara back to her normal size and blah, 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 mm. do some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it is revealed in this moment after. So the, the Nutcracker gets injured and is like dying or whatever. Yeah. And she kisses him and this transforms him back into a human. And it was revealed at this point that, in fact, Clara has been the sugar plum princess all along, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Is that anything? I don't know. I don't even know why I'm bothering at this point. Um, So that's not in the book. Um, However, I did read that sometimes the ballet is staged so that Clara does transform into the sugar plum fairy at the end. Um, like traditionally, they're two separate characters, okay. but sometimes it's staged so that she like becomes the sugar plum fairy mm-hmm. when they get to the the kingdom of the dolls. So I bet the movie is just pulling from that. Yeah, I did see this coming. The movie, <laughs> I, I, I'm smarter than this movie. I saw this coming <laughs> when they were looking for. There was like one line. I don't remember what it was, but there was like one line earlier in the film that I was like, "Oh, she's gonna end up being the sugar yeah. plum princess," and she, oh, the power was within her all along, right. kind of thing. Yeah. Like, fine. I mean, sure. that that is a yeah, very yeah. like a Barbie messaging kind of thing. Oh, it's also to do. yeah, yeah. It's also Although, a very classic kids movie. I thing. think it would have worked also if the sugar plum princess had been her aunt. Yeah. From the beginning. That I think that could have worked. Yeah. But they wanted the, the idea is like, oh it was the, you had you the, had the, the magic, power the inside you, you the whole time. All the time. That's the whole point of yes. what we're doing with Kelly's frame story here and learning to do ballet. I guess. <laughs> um <laughs> So uh, they've yay! They win. They succeeded. They're everybody's happy. They're they're in love. They're gonna get married. She's gonna become the queen or whatever. Mm. Uh, and they're dancing. But as they're dancing, uh, who shows up except the evil mouse king as a tiny little mouse riding on the back of Pim the bat? And they come dive bombing in, and he snatches the locket that the owl gave her at the beginning of the movie uh-huh. that would like transport her back to the real world when she opened it. Uh, and the and. And the Mouse King opens the the locket and sucks her away from her magical life where she was going to stay and be queen. And she wakes up back in the real world. And I wanted mm-hmm. to know if that's how she gets back to the real world in the book. Uh, no, um, it's actually really boring in the book. She just falls asleep and then wakes up at home. Okay. So I will say I like this better. Okay. This is more interesting. Yes. Uh, but then at the end, she's now back in the real world, sad. None of her magical dreamland was real. But then there's a knock on the door. Her aunt shows up again. And who does her aunt have with her except Eric in the real world? He's a real boy now. <laughs> and wow, they dance together. And look at that. A magical. Uh, and I wanted to know if that came from the book. <laughs> It does, actually. That does come from the book. Uh, So in the book, uh, the boy is uh, Drosselmeyer's, who is her godfather. Yeah. I think I mentioned earlier. He's his nephew. And he shows up at the end and they get engaged. Oh, it's the godfather? I thought it was grandfather. I think it is in the movie. Okay. I think. Yeah. Um, But he's her godfather. Okay. In in the book so no like blood relation gotcha Which um, makes, that's a little better a though. little better yeah. yeah uh but he shows up at the end and then they they get engaged despite being literal children uh she's like seven years old in the book nice yeah great um 
And it's also kind of similarly ambiguous in regard to how much of her adventure was yeah. real and how much of it wasn't. Yeah, because he gives her, when Eric shows up, he gives her the locket. Yeah. Or a locket that he looks just, the like, same. He just, like, he hands her the locket. He's like, here, magic. I'm like, oh, okay. All right, sure. And, yeah, it's kind of implied that he, I couldn't decide if the movie was implying that he knew, like, he had the memories <laughs> of all of the Magic Land stuff or or if it's just, like, a coincidence. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, coincidental or whatever i don't whatever. know why he would be giving it to her if it was just as a gift i, I guess like it's, i i almost interpreted it as like it's just like oh like a little wink and a nod look oh he happens to like i don't know like it's a it's weird magic works in mysterious ways he's just giving her a gift and it's oh my gosh it's the locket from the thing but it's not like actually the same locket and he doesn't like know anything he's just giving her a gift and it and like, oh, it's the locket. Like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's supposed to be that he like is Prince Eric. I don't think. I don't know. Right. I think maybe he is supposed to be really? Prince Eric. You think? Because he, he doesn't like give it to her like he's giving her a gift. He just like drops it into her hand and then she smiles at him and he asks her to dance. And I she's guess. like, well, I can't say no to a king. And he's not like, what are you talking I know. about? They just he just like smiles at her and then they dance. Yeah, it still feels weird. Why? How? Okay, like sure. it's weird either way. I, I, I agree. Guess, I guess. All right. Whatever. I got some more questions. That was all my questions for was that in the book. But I'm, I'm a little lost in adaptation. So let's get to that now. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. Wow, a lost. Yes, yes, and I want to get unlost as soon as possible. So there's a, at the beginning of this movie, there's this part that I felt like I was like, wait, did I miss something or what happened here? Is that they're getting ready, like when she's at her godfather or grandfather's in the film, they're getting ready for a party. Because mm -hmm. he says he has a line about some people showing up early. And so they're getting ready for a party. And this is what I remembered of the ballet is that a lot of the first part of it takes place at like a big Christmas party or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And but then later in the film or then the film kind of just glosses over that. And we just have because, again, it, from my memory of the ballet, she gets the Nutcracker as a present, like at this party. Uh, whereas in the film, it's just like her aunt just shows up and gives it to her like before the party. And then we never see the party. And then she falls asleep that night. And I was like, oh, maybe they just skipped it because they didn't want to like animate a big party or whatever. <laughs> and so they just skipped it. And I was like, I don't, I'm confused at what. What transpired there? Did we just skip the party? Isn't that important? Anyways, what's... So, I guess there there is a party in the book. Uh, the only guest that's specifically discussed is Drosselmeyer. Okay. Um, who does give her the Nutcracker. Yeah. And she doesn't time. live with him in the book, right? No. He comes to visit. Yeah. Because that's, again, my memory from the play is that, like, he shows up as this weird old man. Yeah, he's like the weird uncle. Yeah, and he, like, gives her this gift. Yeah. And it's not, in, in the movie, she doesn't live with him. It seems yeah. like anyway, sorry. So but it, but it is like it's not discussed that they're having like a big party with tons of guests in the book, but it is Christmas and they're doing like all of the usual Christmas festivities. Yeah, I believe the ballet does usually start That's with like I a thought. big party, yeah, yeah. though. Okay. Yeah. And I, I do think that the movie literally just skips over the party all right. because at one point the aunt is like, oh, your guests are here. Yeah. And then it skips forward, and Clara is like yeah. asleep on okay. the couch. Okay, because I that was I, I it, it took me back initially because I thought a lot of the play, like the ballet, took <laughs> took place during the party. Yeah. So when the party never happened, I was very confused. Yeah. But they, yeah, they clearly just went a completely different direction, as we discussed, because none of this is in the book. 
Uh, and then my last question, which I just couldn't understand if it was like a reference I wasn't getting or what, but there's this part where um, she uh, she's in when she gets back later in the film, she arrives the, after the fairies take her to the castle so that she can rescue uh, the Nutcracker and Captain Candy and Major Mint. Mm-hmm. She like gets to their cell or whatever, and there's this two mice standing guard out front of it, and she comes around the corner and she's like, "Oh," and so she has to cover really quick and. She says she tells them that they need the Mouse King needs them. They need to go like help him or whatever, and that they need to hurry, or that the Mouse King is going to turn them into house flies. And they don't do anything. And she goes, or was it horse flies? And then they're like, oh no! And then they run off. And I was like, what? What is the? Uh, I didn't know if there was like a joke or a reference there. I was not understanding why the horse flies part like gets them to like. Yeah, go. I don't. But I don't think it's a reference to anything. I think it's just kind of a weak joke. But like it's not a even a moment. In I the... don't even understand the joke. Like, why are they more upset to be turned into horse flies than house flies? I don't know. It does. It's not. That's a. Uh, it, uh, this is one of those times where sometimes when I see a like a quote unquote joke like this, my brain uh-huh. like caves in on itself. <laughs> like, what is the person writing it even think the joke was? And it makes me feel stupid because I'm like, they must have. Because it's not even a joke. It's just, oh, he's gonna turn you into house flies, or was it horse flies? I guess because those words sound similar. Yeah. The joke is that she misheard it. But again, they don't react to the houseflies part, but they do react to the horseflies part. But I, those things are so similar that it doesn't. <sighs> I don't know. I think you're overthinking it. I, <laughs> I know I'm overthinking it, but it's one of those lines that just I don't. It doesn't make any sense. And it's not a, even a joke. So I don't get what the, it's just like words that never mind. All right, fine. I'm just going to hyper fixate on this for the next <laughs> hour and a half. Anyways, those are my questions. Uh, if anybody knows has anything extra to, or any additional information about the horseflies houseflies line, <laughs> I would greatly appreciate it because it does not make any sense. All right, uh, it's time to find out what Katie thought was better in the book. You like to read? Oh yes, I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. Okay, so first off, I don't understand the movie's decision to kill Clara's parents and have her live with her grandfather and they make Drosselmeyer her grandfather and then they invent the aunt character to come in and give her the nutcracker and she's just like a boring version of Drosselmeyer in the book because it's very straightforward in the book. She's she lives with her parents and Drosselmeyer is her godfather who comes over and he's like a, a kooky little guy who just shows up and like gives her the nutcracker. Yeah. Like he's he's right. Stu- yes. yeah, that, he's again, that was my memory guy. of the ballet yeah. that I just bouncing around in my brain from a twenty. And like and I and I just like I don't understand the decision to change that. Yeah. Because it doesn't no. There's no reason for it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I agree. It's it's a very strange It's weird. Change. It's it doesn't odd. doesn't really make any sense. And and they made it more boring. Yes. <laughs> like you read the description yes. the, of Drosselmeyer. He's he's a weird little guy yes. in the book. Yeah. And he's 
in the movie, he's just like an old guy, an old crotchety guy. Yeah, I, no, I agree because that was my uh, that was one of the things that I I remember as a as a kid for, again from my vague memories of the ballet yeah. that I always thought was really interesting. Is he's this weird guy shows up with this box these presents yeah. that are and you don't know what's going on so he's very mysterious yeah he's and that's like a mysterious makes, weird figure yeah and that's what makes like the the nutcracker even more interesting as a gift and like it, yeah. it makes it more like and there's a lot of like questions about like well does he know yeah, exactly and like how much does he know yeah. and like who is he and what is his deal exactly yeah and like all of that is just excised yeah. from the movie like they introduce the ant character who's clearly supposed to be a stand-in yes because he she gives him her the, yeah. the nutcracker yeah but she's also pretty boring. Yeah, like she's, she's not very interesting. I think the idea is that because they kind of just make her like the, her aunt, like a cool girl boss. Maybe yeah. they were just like, let's do some fun, like, you know, kind of or not fun, but like, let's just make this character like a, a, a woman of the world who's out and about on her own living an adventurous life. They could have they could have kept it exactly the same and just done a gender swap. Yeah. For draw some that been more yeah, that would have been yeah. way more interesting and made and done like a fairy godmother kind yes, of vibe. Exactly, where she's like this like kind of strange, weird aunt yeah. who like your your weird aunt. your weird childless aunt who yeah. shows up and gives you a weird Christmas present. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, I don't know. Not not the best change. So I I did have the thought though that like on the other hand with Tim Curry's Mouse King and the little bat character that maybe this movie had enough weird little guys. That's true. Probably did. <laughs> They're like this is getting confusing. Too weird many weird, little, little, weird guys. little guy overload. Yeah. Uh, so in the movie they go through the mouse hole to get to the fantasy land and they do like a kind of an Alice in Wonderland style. Yeah, they just like Woo! like they're falling yeah. through. Time a, and space. a tunnel a of, of a yeah. wormhole of magic of some yeah. sort. Um, not nearly as weird and interesting as how they get there in the book. Let me just read you. Let me read you a little excerpt here of what they do. Um, he, the Nutcracker, took the lead, followed by Marie, until he stopped by the huge old wardrobe in the hallway. Marie was astonished to see that the doors of this closet, normally shut, were now wide open so that she clearly made out her father's traveling fox fur, which hung in front. Nutcracker very deftly climbed up the ridges and adornments so that he could get hold of the enormous tassel, which, fastened by a thick cord, hung on the back of that fur. When Nutcracker pulled hard enough on the tassel, a very delicate cedar stairway quickly dropped through the fur sleeve please go up dearest demoiselle cried nutcracker marie did so but scarcely had she gone up through the sleeve scarcely had she peered out of the collar than a blinding light shone toward her all at once she found herself on a marvelously fragrant meadow from which millions of sparks rose like blinking gems we're on the rock candy meadow said nutcracker huh they go through a sleeve. Yeah, that's interesting. That's weird. Yeah. Although it does sound like they, so it does seem like at least some of the, the candy land kind of, because they're in the rock yes. candy meadow. Yeah. So that kind of does. Everything you know. in the, the, they call it the kingdom of the dolls, but everything is like candy themed. Okay. Okay. I wonder if that's where Candyland comes from. I don't know. That's like, a good question, though. I wonder if that's, though. like, the, yeah. you know, the idea that inspired yeah. Candyland. I, I also really liked that because it gave me, like, big Narnia vibes. Oh, for with, sure. With, like, the yeah. wardrobe and the fur coat. 
Yeah. But like the little staircase coming out of the oh, sleeve. Yeah, it's that's super that's weird. like too weird to go un undiscussed. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, my next note here is give the Mouse King seven heads, you cowards. <laughs> the Mouse King has the seven Mouse King heads. has seven heads in this story. Um, so there, there's a whole backstory which I will discuss in a minute. Um, but so there's actually a mouse queen in this story, and her her sons end up be getting killed by. I'll explain it in a minute. Um, so her sons end up getting killed. So the mouse king, I'm not entirely sure, is either some hideous monster progeny that she birthed or she like resurrected her other sons as this like monster with seven heads. So the mouse King has seven heads. I mean, I'm into it. That would have been gnarly. I mean, I think it would have been. Yeah. I, we could have got seven different Tim Curry. Performances. Yeah. <laughs> Him doing seven <laughs> characters would have been incredible. But I understand why they didn't do it. I guess. I would have just been. I think it would have just been really terrifying. I know. Yes. But like, I don't know. And maybe kids could use a little more terror. <laughs> I, I, I'm i not saying it, it couldn't have worked. I think maybe the Barbie movie version of it isn't necessarily <laughs> the place where that may, makes the most sense. You know, like yeah, if there yeah, had been I like guess. a Disney version of this early, like a, or something, maybe they could have, you know, or like a, yeah, like yeah. a. Um, a Don Bluth, not Don Bluth. Uh, what's the? I mean, I think I think Don Bluth would have gone there. Yeah, I think that could have worked, but yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe the Barbie movie version is not the. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um. Okay. So uh, this is going to be kind of hard to quantify, although maybe not after the last two points that we just True. discussed. But I, I really, I cannot stress to y'all how ill prepared I was for just how weird this book is. Mm -hmm. It, insane things are happening the entire time, but it's treated very matter-of-factly in tone and, like, by the text itself, kind of in a similar vein to, like, a Grimm's fairy tale. Huh. And then at other times, it's almost straight-up silly. Yeah. Like, I kind of really dug it. Yeah, I mean, you you were laughing constantly <laughs> as you were it reading this so book. It was so weird. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I want to read a little excerpt, but I have to give some some backstory first okay. so that we understand what's going on. Um, so about halfway through the story, the story proper kind of stops and Drosselmeyer tells the children a story within this story. Okay. And it's called it's called the story of the hard nut. Good. Great. <laughs> No comment. <laughs> it's even more, and it's even more of like this kind of fairy tale thing. So the story is basically about um, there's a, a king and a queen, and they have a daughter. Um, and at some point, they find themselves in in a war with the Mouse Kingdom. Okay, and. The mouse queen threatens their daughter. Okay. Okay. And she ends up going th through with that threat, and she turns the princess into a nutcracker. 
the description of which is horrifying, by the way. Okay, like the transformation. Yes. (laughs) Um, And then Drosselmeyer appears in this story as a character, and he is tasked with finding the way to cure the princess and, like, transform her back. Yeah. Which he does um, because it turns out that the cure is this specific nut okay okay (laughs) but it's a hard nut hence the story of the hard nut right um and it can only be cracked by like a certain person who happens to be this young man all right so he does this and he saves the princess but then the mouse queen comes back and transforms him into a nutcracker Okay. This young man. I, I really wish people could see your face right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to follow along. Okay. I, this is it, this is why I said it was very much in vain of like a fairy tale or a yeah. folk tale. It yeah. just kind of doesn't make sense, right. and you have to let it kind of wash over you. Kind of happen. Fair yeah. Okay. It, you just kind of got to let it happen. Um. So then, the, so this is like the backstory and the explanation of why the Nutcracker is the way that he is. Okay. And then um, Clara ends up being the one to, like, lift that curse from okay. him. Right. Okay. Um, so <laughs> there's this portion in this story that I I, I just need to read. And it's going to be a little bit long. I'm going to be reading for a hot minute. Okay. Okay. Everybody just settle in. Just settle in. Uh, okay. So we're with the king and the queen. Um Uh, Having been secretly informed by the Supreme Royal Kitchen Master that the court astronomer had scheduled the slaughter of pigs, the king ordered a huge sausage feast. Then he jumped into the carriage and personally invited all the kings and princes himself, purely for a spoonful of soup, to enjoy the surprise of this magnificent delight. Now the king spoke very amiably to the queen. You know, my darling, how much I love sausages. The queen knew what the king was driving at. (laughs) He meant simply that she ought to submit to the very useful business of making sausages, as she had herself done in the past. And I had questions there because I was like, does the queen usually make sausages? I don't. That doesn't sound right. Um, Okay. so anyway, continuing on. The supreme treasurer had to promptly deliver the huge golden sausage cauldron and the silver casseroles to the kitchen. They lit a big sandalwood fire, the queen tied on her damask kitchen apron, and soon the sweet fragrances of the sausage soup were steaming out of the cauldron. The pungent aroma wafted all the way to the privy council. The king, imbued with pleasure, couldn't help himself. With your permission, gentlemen, he shouted. He then flew into the kitchen, embraced the queen, stirred the soup with his golden scepter, and calming down, he returned to the privy council. They had reached the important point when the bacon was to be sliced into cubes and roasted on silver grills. The ladies-in-waiting left the kitchen because the queen wished to perform this action herself out of loyalty, fidelity, and devotion to the royal consort. I don't know why they're taking sausage so seriously, but I kind of love it. Yeah. However, when I mean, the, it is German, <laughs> right? Yeah, I guess, I guess. Fair enough. 
However, when the bacon started to roast, they heard a very fine whispering. Give me a little roast bacon too, sister. I want to feast too. After all, I'm a queen too. Give me a bit of the roast bacon. The queen knew that Frau Mouserink was speaking. For many years now, she had been living in the royal palace. She claimed that she was related to the royal family and that she herself was a queen in the land of Mausolia, and that was why she presided over a large court under the hearth. The queen was a good, charitable woman. If she didn't wish to recognize Frau Mausrink as queen and as her sister, then she could at least grant her, from the bottom of her heart, the banqueting on festive days. The queen explained, come, exclaimed, come right out, Frau Mausrink. You can enjoy my bacon at any event. Frau Mauserink scurried over, hopping merrily. She leaped onto the hearth, and her delicate little paws took hold of each bit of bacon offered her by the queen. But now all of Frau Mauserink's male and female relatives came springing up, as did her seven sons. These sons were ill-bred boars. They overwhelmed the bacon, and the terrified queen couldn't fend them off. Luckily, the royal controller's wife came running up. She drove away the intrusive guests, managing to leave some bacon, which, following the asse assessment of the royal mathematician, was distributed very skillfully among the sausages. Okay, so I'm going to skip forward a little bit. Um, they're feasting. <laughs> they're having the sausage feast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then, then, in the blood sausage station, loudly groaning and groaning, Weeping and wailing, the king sank back in his armchair with both hands over his face. All the diners sprang up from the table, and the royal physician tried in vain to check the royal pulse. The king seemed to be ripped apart by a profound and nameless yowling. Finally, after much coaxing, after the application of strong medicines, more than there were scorched quills and so forth, the king seemed to have recovered somewhat. He barely stammered the words, Too little bacon. What? I what? am telling you. What's happening? <laughs> That's why I kept saying what is happening when I was reading this book. So that's how they end up in like a war with the mice because the mice eat all of their bacon and the king is mad about it. So he kills a bunch of mice. Interesting. Yes. I, is it's it not? It's almost like an absurdist, like yeah, kind it, it of, is. Yeah. It is very like very absurdist. Yes, and also very, and it seems intentional. I, I wondered translation wise, but it seems very. Um, a lot of the the language used in the in the early, the first part of what you read, um, felt very innuendo-y, like yeah. intentionally so, like 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 all the stuff they're talking about, like when he goes into the kitchen and stirs the sausage with his golden scepter yeah. and he's satisfied and stuff. It just felt like we're what are we are we doing? Is this what I think it is? Are we like doing funny I mean, like sex innuendos or something? Like what is happening here? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we we do have some German listeners. I, maybe somebody could tell us if yeah. it's the same in German. Well, and or, or also if you know just anything more about it, because I, I I did a quick look on Google just or on Wikipedia like for the the, the story to see like if there was like, and I, I didn't spend much time, but like what kind of um, if there was much in the way of assessment or not assessment, but like I don't even know what the word is. Um, like critical critical analysis yeah. of like what like what 
even just like a brief summary of like, oh, this is highly regarded as a work of absurdity, like or whatever. Yeah. And I didn't see anything like that. It didn't really go into detail about like where this book kind I of mean, falls in the pantheon of literature I, or whatever. But it's just interesting. It's a it's a fairy tale, though. Yes. And, and it is a fairy tale from around the same time period when like Grimm's were right, publishing yeah. their fairy tales. I think it just falls into that. That's fair. Because it is like I mean, it's much longer than anything yeah. that Grimm's wrote or adapted. but. It it does feel very like stylistically and tonally similar to a lot of that stuff. Okay. Um, do you want to hear the description of the, the princess? Oh, the transformation. Yeah, let's do it. A, For sure. Um, Definitely. Okay. We can't leave that hanging after <laughs> mentioning it. But how great was their horror when they looked for Perlipat and saw what had become of the lovely, delicate child. Instead of her golden locks with a red and white face and an angelic head, a thick, deformed head, now perched on a twisted, teensy-weensy body, the small azure eyes had turned into green, gaping, gawking eyes, and the little lips had pulled from one ear to the other. Ugh. Right? Gross. Yeah. Creepy. <laughs> Creepy. All right, that was all the stuff Katie thought was better in the book. Let's go ahead now and find out what she thought was better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. Uh, so all of the Barbie movies, uh, or at least all the early Barbie movies, again, I have not seen many of the later ones, uh, have a frame story where Barbie imparts some kind of wisdom to Kelly. I don't mind it. Yeah. I, I think it makes sense for what this is. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. A vehicle for selling Barbies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought aging up Clara was a good choice considering the romance element at the end, which mm -hmm. does in fact come from the book. Although I will say that I think there are some things like how obsessed she is with the nutcracker like the toy. initially yeah. yeah and then like the bit at the end where she's going on and on about how her her adventure and how it was real i'm not sure those work as well not quite as well if she's not like a small child yeah but you know i think we were kind of in a hard spot here because yeah. barbie has to be barbie right and not like a little kid not a little kid yeah nobody wants to watch Kelly in the yeah. Nutcracker. No, she gets the dumb bit parts where she flies around as a fairy <laughs> and looks creepy. Yeah. yeah. Um, my my last note here, and you know, perhaps this is something that we can anticipate in an older story, but there is the usual questionable racial stuff yeah. in this. Doesn't yeah. yeah. Unsurprising. Um so when they when they arrive in the kingdom of the dolls in the book, it, it's populated by people of many different races, which is not an issue. But the tone does get we'll say condescending at times. Yeah. Um like at one point the nutcracker remarks uh, Moors are such a merry people. Mm. Yeah. It's not racist. He it's, said they're merry. <laughs> it was nice, right? Yeah. Um, and I will say that that kind of thing is also present in the ballet. There's some, you know, and and I think it is often staged differently now. But like yeah. some of the dances at the end, there's like the the Chinese dance, the oh, Arabian yeah. dance. Yeah. Um, 
you know, more often than not performed by white people and just in, kind of in a costume version of yeah. the cultures. Yeah. Yes, yeah. very much so. Yeah. And now to be totally fair, I'm also not sure that having a character who seems to be Indian, <laughs> like playing second fiddle to a British military dude is like a super good look. Um, maybe not aged the greatest. I will say I thought it was kind of interesting that it seems that they make and and maybe this was kind of in, like an intentional choice to do that is that to get some diversity in there, but then also they do make the 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 the, the I'm trying to remember which one's which major <laughs> mint who is the white guy, yeah. the British guy who's like in charge. He, he kind is, of an idiot. Yeah, he is and, kind of an and idiot. Captain that is Candy, fair. who's the Indian guy under him is much more competent yeah. than he is, which I thought was kind of an interesting angle. It's still a strange choice to put like a, yeah, like a colonial. Yeah. Cause he's, yeah. cause the Indian guy's wearing like a colonial, like, I think like a British colonial. Yes. Like, I think out like uniform kind of thing. Yeah. It, like it's, it's not the worst, but it is kind of, I don't know. It, it It's an interesting decision. Yeah. Um, And I, I would be interested to hear maybe what like, Indian people think of that. Yeah, or so, yeah, it's um, just, it, it does seem like yeah, kind of a strange choice. But again, it's it's not like awful necessarily, or seems maybe not awful. Not, maybe as, it, not as bad as it could have been. Yes, that is true. <laughs> this is true. All right, let's go ahead and talk about a few things at the movie now. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. Uh, the Nutcracker coming to life to fight the mice. I'm sure yep. we we all remember that from the ballet. Uh, and also Clara knocking out the Mouse King with her shoe. Mm. Which is another thing that makes me question the size of Clara yeah. at that time. Uh, Clara does fall for the Nutcracker, despite the fact that he's, you know, a Nutcracker. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the Nutcracker is actually a handsome young man under a curse. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they all dance the end. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> Uh, and there were obviously some other stuff we talked about yeah. in, in the earlier parts, but all right, let's get to a few odds and ends before the final verdict. Uh, when we just jump right in and we see like Barbie and Kelly about doing ballet, you can tell it's motion captured. It actually looks pretty good. Like it, you can tell. Like it's very clear that this is a motion capture because it, it because it looks so good and like you, it actually looks like they're doing actual ballet and like mm. the moves are very specific and like the even the little details of how their feet are moving and stuff all looks very um, accurate. Uh, which so I was I was like impressed. It's like yeah, it looks pretty good. That's funny because and, and I, I mean I know it's different, but because my first note is the animation looks so much worse than I remember. Yeah, I mean, it, it to me, and I'll just jump to this note here, the animation really fluctuates back and forth from sometimes looking kind of like a fever-induced nightmare to mm -hmm. other times looking kind of nice. Yeah. And, like, it depended a lot on what was, like, on screen at the moment. Because, like, in particular, the thing where I noticed it is, like, when they get into the ice cave uh, at the, at the, when they first go into the, um, whatever the heck the name of that kingdom was, mm -hmm. um, all the shots of like the actual snow fairies like dancing and like swinging through the air looked kind of cool and like neat. But then whenever they showed the little baby snow fairy girl, that was super creepy. And the people looked kind of creepy because yeah. you get more of the uncanny valley. I guess the more abstract and like 
non-human the stuff we were seeing was like the better it looked and then anytime you saw more human it was like "Eh, yeah it's actually uh kind of a running joke about barbie movies is that the kelly's always look cursed oh yeah they just always look like they're gonna like come out from under your bed and eat you they really do in this one they're just these little and they and then this one they like they yeah. do this little weird like oh no whoever's decision that was i want to murder <laughs> yeah uh little thing that i thought was very funny uh, it's like yeah and which he does say this but the when they're getting ready for the party at the beginning the somebody like the maid or whatever comes in and is like some of the guests are here and the the godfather or grandfather looks at his pocket watch and he's like they're 20 minutes early and i'm like weirdos he goes to a party 20 minutes early yeah that is weird uh also when they're decorating for christmas they have like their box of like christmas decorations out and the little her little brother has been eating the gingerbread stuff yeah and i'm just like oh yum years old because they 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 specifically say it's like the the a box of like decorations which means it's been like in storage and probably has been around for years and this little kid is eating decades old gingerbread or whatever (laughs) it'd be really funny the kid just died he's got like some weird foodborne illness from eating 20 year old gingerbread if she had been eating it too that it would explain all the hallucinations this is true that actually would have been funny yeah she <laughs> eats some and then it yeah um i honestly wouldn't do anything it's just because gingerbread that old it would just be like eating cardboard if it would be Probably, so not good yeah. it would just be like dry, i feel nothing. like the the concern for me would be like the frosting oh uh, yeah yeah that could be could be an issue because i feel like that would get funky Depending on the type of frosting. Yeah. If it's just sugar and like, but yeah, if it has like butter or anything, yeah. it definitely would be a problem. Uh, so we mentioned in the, obviously the Tim Curry is in this movie. Mm. He plays the Mouse King and he is really doing some heavy lifting yes. in this film with his performance. <laughs> An incredible choice for the Mouse King, truly. He is great. And I, every time he says Nutcracker, <laughs> like he does this big like Nutcracker, like he does like a big thing every time he says nutcracker and it's amazing and i love it uh and good for him (laughs) truly great uh there was a little moment that i thought was really funny um when he when the mouse king hears that they're searching for the sugar plum princess he's like i've never heard of the sugar plum princess and then proceeds to look her up in the phone book yeah he's like give me the (laughs) give me the directory And then he looks her up and he's like, I don't think that's a thing. And I was like, is that a joke based on the fact that the Sugar Plum Fairy is like a thing? But maybe. Sugar Plum Princess isn't. It's kind of like a meta yeah. joke, maybe. Maybe. Or something. I don't know. Oh, I mean, obviously, it's also a hint towards the fact that she is the, like, yeah, she becomes there, the There sugar. is no Sugar Plum yes. Princess there because it it's inside Clara. the Barbie the whole time. <laughs> Clara the whole time. <laughs> Also, I thought it was weird that they gave the Nutcracker like a mustache and white hair because he looks like an old man flirting with a teenager when he is a Nutcracker. Yeah. Because Clara and him like start hitting it off while he's a Nutcracker and the design of the Nutcracker is like an old man. Right. Which is I mean, makes it even weirder. I, I agree. <laughs> but also he has to look like a Nutcracker. I, I understand that. It's just it makes it even weirder when they're like kind of flirting. And she's like a little yeah. kid and he looks like an old man. It's like, oh, God. So I had to look up because the bat's voice immediately sounded familiar to me. So I had to look up who voiced him. Uh, and I did not write down the guy's name. 
but he was Rolf in Ed, Ed, and Eddie, who is mm. a very distinctive voice acting work. Yeah. He also... Peter Kalamis. Yeah, he was also invited back to Ooh. be the weird little guy in Barbie as Rapunzel. There you go. Uh, he was Mother Gothel's weasel, Otto. Nice. And he is, in fact, a weird no, little guy. Another weird little <laughs> in that guy. Movie. Good. There's another little moment, uh, Barbie lore, um, when the bat says, uh, there's no way off this island unless she's part mermaid, mm. uh, foreshadowing to future Barbie is movies. Is there a mermaid Barbie? Yeah. Barbie Mermaidia. That's what it's that called? Is, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Mermaidia. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the other thing that made me laugh was um, when the fairies uh, take Clara off of the oh, island. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They just leave Marzipan yeah. the horse there. Just leave it there. It's never just, mentioned again. Nope. Like, okay, bye, I guess. I, I guess I live on this island now. <laughs> bye. It's incredible. I, the thing that cracked me, or not cracked me, I was, was kind of silly, is that we get back to the end of the wrap up the frame story, and Barbie's like, and Kelly's like, oh, I see. The point of that story was to keep trying and to be brave or whatever. Well, I, and then she, I guess. I guess. I guess. Kind <laughs> of, yeah, whatever. And then she's like, hey, can you help me practice the this ballet number again and they do it one more time and she just does it perfectly yes. it's not like they just literally just nails it and i'm like well you didn't even need to practice again you just needed to believe you could do it i guess i don't know i guess literally does it perfectly after they after hearing that story before we get to the final verdicts, we want to remind you, you can head over to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, oh, Threads, whatever. Follow us. Give us a like. Subscribe. Do whatever you can do so you see our posts and we can hear from you, hear what you had to say about Barbie and the Nutcracker or whatever else you want to talk about. Uh, hit us up on all those social media platforms. Also, if you want to do us a favor, head over to uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to us. Write us a little nice review and give us a five-star rating. That'd be super great. Or if you want to support us even more, head over to Patreon.com slash This Film Is Lit. Support us at multiple different levels, but at the $5 and up level, you get access to bonus content. We just released our Christmas uh, bonus episode, which was a, a discussion of Happiest Season, uh, the Hulu movie with Kristen Stewart. Uh, and so if you want to hear our discussion of that, you can go over to Patreon, give us five bucks, and you can listen to that. And if you support us at the $15 level, you get access to priority recommendations, which means if you have something you would really like for us to hear us talk about, you can recommend that, and we will throw it into our lineup as soon as we possibly can. Katie? Time for the final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterward. I have never actually seen the Nutcracker Ballet performed. I've never been to a theater Me to watch either. it. No. However, going into this episode, I felt pretty confident that I knew enough about it just from cultural osmosis mm -hmm. to have a good idea of what the book would be like. But dear listener, <laughs> nothing in the world could have prepared me for how weird and silly this book was. I, as I said before, it truly reminded me of reading folk and fairy tales. Mm -hmm. Now, to be totally fair, if that type of storytelling isn't your jam you probably won't like this book i wouldn't even try it for me however 
the movie felt pretty lackluster in comparison. I know it was made in 2001, but everything about it, from the story to the animation, felt very bare bones to me. You can tell it was not an expensive, particularly expensive production. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, please understand, this is not a dig on the OG (laughs) Barbie movies. They are classics, and I do love them. Yeah. Um, but it, it was pretty obvious that there was not a lot put into making this feel like fully fleshed no. out. And it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. I thought it was like an okay little Christmas movie. Perfectly fine, but nothing or, you know, yeah. uh, Nutcracker adaptation, but not not anything special in yeah. pretty much at all. Now, maybe if we had ended up watching a different Nutcracker movie, I would feel differently right now. Maybe. Yeah. However, this time. Just for the the sheer enjoyment that I got out of reading it. Which I, I can attest to. Again, I heard you laughing so many times. I have to give this one to the book. All right, there you go. The Nutcracker and the Mouse King wins. The, the book the book wins for being a weird little guy. And the book is the weird little guy this time. All right. Katie, what's coming up next? Uh, So we are taking next week off for the holidays, as is our custom at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And we will be back in January with a a thing that we surprisingly have not covered yet. Yeah, We're going to be talking about Forrest Gump. This is going to be so interesting. Have you seen Forrest Gump? No. Oh, my goodness. This is going to be very interesting. I'm so excited to revisit this because I have a feeling... The more I've thought about this movie in, in the intervening years, and I've seen it probably a half dozen times over the course of my life, and I always used to like it a lot, but the more I've thought about things in it, the more I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm not going to have as kind of things to say about it this time. We'll see. Who knows? And I also know it's very inter- that it's very different than the book, I think. Uh-huh. Or, like, it's very similar, but also, I don't know, anyways. I, yeah, I really don't. The only thing I know about it is the one line about the box of chocolates. Yeah. That's all I know. There you go. I mean, that'll be most of my questions probably will be like, is this line from the book? Is this line from oh, the book? So is I should try to find book? an ebook copy of this. Okay. That will be helpful because I am going to, I mean, to be fair, it's going to be all the lines you you know from right. Life is Like a Box Chocolate, blah, blah, blah. Like all of those, you know, very quotable lines that the movie made famous. But I, I am definitely going to be asking if a lot of those are from the book. So. Okay. Fair warning. Noted. That will be, uh, actually, sorry, that'll be in three weeks' time. In two weeks' time, we'll have our prequel. Again, like Katie said, no episode next week because of the holidays. Um, But two weeks' time, we will have our prequel where we will discuss everything you had to say about Barbie and the Nutcracker or the Nutcracker and the Mouse King if you read it. Until that time, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, and everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And and keep keep being being awesome. And have an incredibly safe and magical holidays. Bye.